Hello, I'm Will, and this is my wife, Dallas. Hi. And this is Not the Beginning, a podcast where a longtime Wheel of Time fan and a Wheel of Time newbie watch and discuss Amazon's The Wheel of Time. In this special season of Not the Beginning, we'll be discussing season one of the Amazon Prime series, The Wheel of Time. Note, at the time of recording, I have finished reading through The Great Hunt, but have not read further. If you have not read Robert Jordan's The Eye of the World and The Great Hunt, please proceed with caution. Warning, this podcast probably won't be suitable for younger audiences and will definitely contain spoilers. On this episode of Not the Beginning, we will be diving in and discussing episode 8 of the first season of The Wheel of Time, The Eye of the World. If you have not seen all of The Wheel of Time season 1, please proceed with caution. We're here, the end of the first season. Yep. I have kind of mixed feelings. Yeah. I liked this episode. It did some stuff to resolve some problems I've had with the whole season, and it also crystallized some things that I've had problems with the whole season. Like, it didn't solve any of the problems it was setting itself up to have, which is why I have mixed feelings. I have mixed feelings because, like, I've been enjoying all of the episodes individually, but now that I've seen all of them, I'm kind of like, Like, what are they doing? Yeah, like, and... We just finished watching this episode the second time. Yeah. And I actually liked it less. Like, I really liked the episode. I liked it about the, the same day. second time. And I'm just, I don't know if I'm Wheel of Timed out. I i mean, that might be part of it. I, I also am feeling a little Wheel of Timed out. But I also think that it, it sets up problems and then doesn't resolve them. And not in a cliffhangery way, in a just bad writing way. I think watching this episode a second time, it just like highlighted the stuff that I was like, but why did you do that though? Yeah. And like, it didn't give me an answer. Right. Watching I... it the second time. Like I couldn't come up a lot of the times when I've had questions about an episode and we watched it the second time, I was able to go, okay, actually I think I see why they might've done that. And then they didn't. And there's some stuff I think that they've done throughout the season that is set up to pay off later. Like, that was intentional. But then there were things that they did this season that they set up, and then that they just completely ignored. Um, one example is my my biggest problem with this season is they just so thoroughly mishandled Rand. Yeah. He's the dragon. Yeah. And in episode four, another strong episode, my favorite episode, they compare the dragon to a raging sun. And just the end when he has, he has a freaking sawing real. Right. It's supposed to increase his raging sun power by a hundredfold. And he holds it out and it's just kind of like a poof. Yeah, I mean, like it's an impactful poof, but. I wanted there to be like see, a raging, I wanted a Nynaeve like explosion. Right. We see three times from Nynaeve a huge explosion of power. Very deservedly so. Actually, the second time, less deservedly so. But, you know, Nynaeve's a powerful woman. She gets to be powerful. The dragon also needs to be powerful. Yeah. And we just don't see that. There are subtle hints in that he has a lot more of the power wrapping around him than we've seen Nynaeve Mm -hmm. have, but... And any other I said I really... Right. But... He's, he do he doesn't do anything with it, and he has a sawing real to do what he like. The impressive thing that he does is aid it. Yeah. Like he doesn't. He doesn't. And this is the problem that I have with Rand. Rand doesn't get to do anything in the first season. That's just him until this episode. 
This episode is why I think season two might solve a lot of the problems. And I'm, I'm trying really hard not to fall into the trap of thinking like, okay, well, if there's more, they can solve it. If there's more, they can solve it. Because that, this, that, that just shouldn't come up. Yeah. Right? I should be like, okay, maybe they'll answer it. And what new things can they add on? But this is what, what can they do to fill in the hole that they've already dug? I do think that with season two, and this, I mean, this is jumping ahead a little bit because usually we talk about what we think is going to happen next towards the end of our episodes. But I think that something that season two will be able to do is fix some things that I had problems with in the books, at least. Yeah. Because I had a big problem with the Great Hunt just here. Like, I was so over that I'm not the dragon, I'm not the dragon thing. It's like... Dude, like you, you fought, right. you fought Balsamon in the sky. You're the dragon. Yeah, like especially this iteration where Rand thinks the fight is done. Yeah, so he's just like, I'm the dragon, and I'm going to go off now. Right, so I'm going to go insane, so I'm going to leave. But I'm not going. So we're not going to get that. I don't think we're going to. Or at least, I don't, yeah, I don't think that we're going to get that. I'm not the dragon because he walks up to Moraine. He's like, I'm the dragon. Right. So at least that will be fixed, yeah. and that might introduce some new things with that. I think I agree. I think that in fixing some of the things that they've introduced this season, they will will be able to introduce new things. Yeah, and that's why I'm a little hopeful for season two, because I think that the problems... So I, the main problem that they had with this season, I, I think, is not their fault. They were given eight episodes. And they had to develop an ensemble cast of, like, six or seven people with eight episodes. Yeah. And the reason I have a problem with Rand is because Rand got hit so hard by that. Everybody else had character development, even if it sometimes wasn't well done, like in Perrin's case. Rand didn't until the end, and so it was like I was just so parched for Rand character development that the bits of him and Moraine in the Blight alone was like a long, cool sip of water yeah it we did get some good we felt we got some good rand development in this in this episode i think that like i didn't necessarily miss the rand development as i was watching it until i finally got some yeah. and now i'm looking back at it and going like yeah where was that right and i kind of felt the same way reading the books as well yeah because Rand was like like a piece of white bread most of the book, which is why I didn't like Eye of the World because we're like only in his head and yeah. he's he's a piece of not all that browned toast. <laughs> he yeah. he's a piece of he's like how I toast bread, yeah. which is not toasted at all. It's just <laughs> slightly warm. Right. He was just a slightly warm piece of white bread for most of Eye of the World, and so but not him not having any development in this season felt familiar and I didn't even notice it until I got some. And you're like, oh. And then I'm like, oh. <laughs> you're a person. You're a person. I still haven't gotten a lot of Rand development even in The Great Hunt. No. Because the only development we got annoyed the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I will say The Eye of the World had two things going for it. One, Rand was in the like infancy of he was like his, just his first step of character development takes the entirety of the eye of the world, right? That's why it feels like there's not that much because it's just the first step. The entire time he has this question of, is Tam really my dad? Where do I come from? Who am I? And there's none of that in this season. There isn't, but I think, I don't know if I, I would need to like go back and watch the first episode again because I'm not sure if I'm actually remembering, remembering this correctly, but I feel like Moraine says at one point, 
whoever is not from the two rivers is the one who is the dragon. And that was not explicitly said in the book. So the fact that it was said in the show, if they brought up that Tam, that Tam might not have been Rand's dad, it would have been completely obvious to everyone from the start that Rand was the dragon. Yeah. And they were trying to avoid that, which is fair. That's fair. I think they messed up there, though. I think they the, the other thing that they did very badly, and I, I'm going to get to things that I think the show did very well in a bit, because I don't think it's fair to say that the show was entirely bad, because yeah. it absolutely wasn't. I think it was above average. What they did really, really badly, though, is they focused way too heavily on the mystery of the dragon, and then they absolutely did not pay it off at all. They built up the dragon as the most powerful channeler, the only person who could beat the Dark One or potentially join them and doom the world. Who is the dragon? We don't know. What is the dragon? We don't know. And none of that is even... Only what is the dragon is really hinted at in this one. Because Balzaman, the Dark One, or as Amazon X-Ray calls him, Ishamael. Okay. Okay. We'll get to that. Mm. He's like, you you don't even know what it means to be the dragon. They don't even know what it means to be the dragon. And like, that's that's an okay hint. That was all I needed. I needed some level of that. I don't know what it means to be the dragon. Right. Rand doesn't at this time. So it makes sense that they aren't explicitly saying it. But... To have the confrontation at the eye, which again I thought was good. I the, the change at the the change of the eye of the world was good. I liked it being more personal. And on a second watch through it solved a problem I had with it. But what we saw from Rand at the eye, wh- why couldn't Moraine do that? Why couldn't Egwene or Nynaeve or any eyes that I do that? Yeah. There was nothing about Rand as a person or as a supernatural entity that meant that he had to be the one to do it. There wasn't any explanation of like, okay, you are Luz there and Telamon reincarnated. So right. like there was enough of there was enough of a hint though, but the problem is why does that matter? That's what I'm saying. Like there there wasn't an explanation that this only works because you were this person reincarnated and all this stuff. It just didn't make any right. sense. Or even like even because you're just the only one powerful enough to do it. Like you have a Sangreal. <laughs> like yeah, a random like dude it... versus anybody with a Sangreal. Because I feel like how Moraine put it is that Ray, the dragon on their own is basically a saw and greel. Kind of in the sense of like, you know, if you if you have an Aes Sedai is at like a three. And Nynaeve is like maybe maybe a five. I'm gonna, maybe a four, maybe a five. Yeah. Then the dragon is like a 400. Because he's it's like... A, it's a little less dramatic, but still the same concept applies. And so if... You need to magnify someone's power by a hundredfold in order to be able to defeat the Dark One. They what should be matter? as... Huh? What does it matter? It sh- No, it should be some... Like, it should be higher. It should be whoever has the highest amount of power, which is the dragon. Right. Like, if, you know, if we have Nynaeve at a four and she magnifies her power by a hundred, it's only four hundred. But if Rand is like a seven, seven hundred is like a lot more than four hundred. So it makes That's sense true. that, like, you know, someone as powerful right. as the dragon... It, it, I just, it, it, I didn't, I think I don't like the sawing real thing. I really don't like that. They should have just had it be random. It, it literally wouldn't have been any different if they didn't have the sawing real. Yeah, because it, yeah, I don't know. It would have been better because their, their like refusal to explain anything about the mechanics of the one power really hurt them here because Rand has a sawing real. It's never explained that Moraine can't use it. Because it's attuned to Sidene. Right. So what does she do in not using it? And I... And if he needs that, in if he needs the Sangreal, 
how is, is that a lot more powerful than five random women, two of whom weren't powerful enough to be an Aes Sedai, one wasn't, was only powerful enough to be a novice, and two were admittedly quite powerful, could wipe out 20,000 Trollocs. Rand does that solo in the books. Yeah, yeah, he does. Accidentally. Yeah, he's not even there. Right, he's he just, just like... He just explodes so much yeah. that it goes 20 miles away from him and defeats the Trollocs that are at the Gap. Like, he's nowhere near the Gap. He does teleport there. The, the ending the ending of the Eye of the World in the books is confusing, and that's that's <laughs> why, like, I give I give this episode... The read part of why I think this episode is good is because there are ways in which it improves on the ending of the Eye of the World. <laughs> because the ending of the Eye of the World is a weird, confusing mess with two Skeletor gimps and a tree man. I did miss the tree man. Yeah. I needed, the green man is fun. The green man is fun. Flower crowns. Flower crowns. You just give more rain to flower crown. She deserves one. Yeah, she's been through some shit. <laughs> she goes through some more shit too. She does. But okay, we brought it up. We brought it and up. And I need, I need to talk about this. This is a spoiler warning. We tend not to do these in the middle of an episode, but I would say skip ahead a few minutes if you're worried about spoilers from book three, which, as of the time of recording, we have not gotten into. So here's your chance to get away from that starting now. What the fuck, Amazon? Uh, this is the second time they did it. In the Blood Snow, this... they name Rand's mom to Grain Mantir. Which, she has an Aiel name, and you could have named her she that. She has an Aiel name. Because now I know that Rand's mom is the fucking foreign, like, is the former queen of Camelin. Didn't know that before. And now I know that apparently Balsamon is a Shamayel? Uh, he's just a dude. He's just... Just a dude. I'm, and that reveal would have been so. I only know that because I because paused. we paused. I had to go to the bathroom, so we paused the show. It, and fucking Amazon Prime brings up the casting every time you yeah. pause, and they named him Ashamael. Yeah, and you looked and were were like, isn't that the name of a forsaken? Is he just a forsaken? And also, yeah. like, when he popped up on screen, he had the eyes, and so I'm like, ah, oh, Balsamon, cool. And then he gets rid of his mask. I'm like, okay, Balsamon wears a mask. Like, that. I didn't actually think that Balsamon had burning eyes. Yeah. Fine, he's a, he's has, he, or maybe he's putting on a mask over his burning eye thing. Either one. Sure. Like, either one. But then we pause. But then we pause. <laughs> and I have been so careful. I have been so careful to not even look at the casting on Amazon or on IMDb in fear of spoilers. Yep. And yet. And yet. Pausing it does it. I am so they mad. Call him, they call him Ishamayel the man. Name him Balsamon. Or just him, the man. Or anything. Like, yeah, just name him the dark one and fix it later. Yeah. It's. I am. Ugh. It's I'm bad. livid. It's. And it's like, why did they do that? Why did you have to name Rand's mom to Green Mantier? Yeah. You could have named her her ideal name. At least that one isn't a terrible spoiler. Like, it's not super satisfying to know that, like, oh, Rand's mom is the former daughter heir of Andor. But now I know that he's technically related to Elaine, and that ship goes right out the window. He's not. Not in the way that, like, normal people consider themselves related to each other. She's like a sixth or seventh cousin. She's related the same way English nobles are related to French nobles. Okay, fair. But still, why? You do know that he's related to Galad. He's half-brothers. They share a mom. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. I guess Egwene has a type. People... I guess so. ...who were born from Tigraine Mantir. <laughs> I guess so. And this is just... 
I know these things now, and I wasn't supposed to know them. You weren't supposed to know them. And at least, like... It wasn't even like they just skipped, like they didn't... It wasn't from condensing books, it was from pausing. It was from pausing. It's not like they were like, you didn't I am a Shamael. If he had been like, I am a Shamael, it's like, okay, that was a purposeful spoiler. Right. Would that have been annoying still? Yes. A little bit, but it's a 14-book series. you got to condense some put stuff. Eight like if you, yeah, that's if you fine. want to cut calling in Balsamon just to shortcut that, that's fine. But they clearly weren't they trying weren't. to. Yeah. And that's just annoying. Cause, and I know, I know that there are probably a lot of you out there that were like, all right, like me, Wheel of Time's coming out. It's a 14-book series. They're not going to do 14 seasons of the show. So I'm going to try to read the first two books before I read the, before I watch this season and hope that nothing gets spoiled. Nope. And so to all of you out there that are in the same boat and are as annoyed as I am, Rip. I feel you. Yeah. So this, I feel like, is the end of the spoiler warning. Yes. We can... This is safe now. We won't refer to that character by the name that they have. They're the dark one. They're, they're the dark one. So or, I actually really liked that. He was, he was, so I said a little while ago that, you know, we're, we're, I'm not going to hold back on the things that I think they did poorly. I'm also not going to hold back on the things that I think they did really well. The casting. Oh, everybody was cast I, so, so, I so well. I liked the man. I, he was great. Despite all of my annoyance that I got something spoiled from me because Amazon Prime's features suck. <laughs> if this had been on Netflix, it wouldn't have been a problem. It wouldn't have happened. He was great. He was great. I love that scene. I For what he had to do and what we know about him, perfectly done. I liked that we got to see Rand interact with him more in a dream and have yeah. like an actual conversation. And the the feeling behind it wasn't like this like in the books, the Balsamon dreams feel very like ominous and doomy like he's got yeah. this big booming voice and he's trying to scare Rand. Yeah. And here it's like here the man is just he's trying to guide a child. Yeah, he's like, "Oh, you don't even know what it is. Have you even channeled before?" Right. And he's kind of smarmy. But in a very specific way that's kind of riding the line between like I know more than you, you're a little idiot and like uh, I feel sorry for you. Because yeah. it's very heavily implied, or it might be outright said, honestly, I don't fully remember, that this character knows Luz Theron Telamon. Yeah. And so he's like... Well, and we see that later. Yeah, we do see that. He, This is the, the person that Luz Theron confronted. It's the Dark One. And um, he's basically writing this line of, like, you're just a little farm boy idiot, and I feel sorry for you to not know who you were. Yeah. There's, like, a sort of, like, an unspoken level of respect between the Dark One and the soul of Luz Theron. Yeah, there is. Because they've been fighting for thousands of years, right. so there's a connection there. Yeah. And it's just, it is interesting. And I liked the ending... I liked that there were less people at the Eye of the World. I did like that they yeah. cut down that. We got some really nice moments between Rand and Moraine. Yep. And it lended itself towards us being able to see the battle at Tarwin's Gap, which was good. I liked seeing that. There are some implications <sighs> with it. Okay, I liked seeing the battle at Tarwin's Gap. I really did not like how it was handled. I needed like less crispy. Less crispified women, yes. Um, also, 
I didn't need you to point out to me that one of those crispified women was one of the was women. The, the Malkyria woman. Was the Malkyria woman yeah. that Lan okay. went to go visit. I didn't we're recognize gonna, her. We're going to revisit the, that the, was sad. my love of the casting and the performances later because, again, I'm all in on that. Let's talk about Tarwin's Gap and the dumbass decisions by the Faldarans and also the writers. Why? Okay, so there are a bunch, a bunch of Trollocs coming out. They're not CGI'd all that well, but I give this episode a lot of slack because they had a lot of things working against them. Right, they couldn't have the original way that they were doing the Trollocs in this episode because they right. were filming in the middle of COVID. Right, so Matt he- left. That also causes problems with this episode. Yeah. What I can absolutely fault them for is there was absolutely no reason that one, if you were gonna do a circle of women driving away the Trollocs, that's fine. But there's ab- there wasn't any reason for them to just not go, go to, to the, the fortress. They let that fortress get overrun and all of the men inside it die to just wipe them out. Which means that, what's his face? Agelmar. Agelmar is dead. Yep. So is his sister. So is his sister. Both fairly large departures from what happens to them in the books. Yeah, because they're alive as of the end of book two. They are alive and well. I mean, is it... It's a fine change. I don't care about that either way. I don't know what the implications are of it. If there are any... I'm not... Like, I'm not upset... But like it's a, big there, it's, a, it's a change that I don't understand yet. Yeah. Because I don't know what the implications are. That and that's another one of those changes where I'm like, there, there's a category of changes that they make that I'm just like, okay, this is a big change, but I'll see where it goes. Yeah. There are changes that they that they've been making that I'm like, I don't like this. I think I know where they're going with this, and I don't think it's good. I, regardless of either of that, I do not think how they handled the circle of women driving back the Trollocs was good at all. They should have had Rand helping. They should, have had, they should have had, they should have just had Rand do it. But it makes no sense that those five, like, that was far and above beyond. That was just far and above whatever we've seen Nynaeve capable of. Mm-hmm. And she was helped by two women who weren't powerful enough to even be novices. One woman who was not powerful enough to be full eyes to die, and Egwene, who was untrained and not at the height of her power. Yeah. Like, where did all of that power come from? I have no idea. I, I just... Like, yes, they were in a circle, but circles aren't... I, I, my understanding of a circle is it's not multiplicative. It's, and it seemed like it was. I did at least, like, visually, when you got that aerial shot of them connecting. You could see the You could see strengths. the relative strengths, which was interesting. And you could see it in the sister's face. What's the sister's Amelisa. name? Amelisa. You could see it in Amelisa's face when she got to Egwene, and she's like, oh. And then she got to Nynaeve and was like, oh. oh. Yeah. That was good. There were bits of it that I really liked. I didn't like the choice. I didn't like that they just kind of had them walk up in the middle of the field and do it. Go to the gap. Go to the gap. Or Um, just go closer to the gap. I didn't like that they were having women burn out. I understand why they did it, because you need to show the dangers of burning out. not supposed to be possible in a circle to burn other people out. But that's a fine change. That just high, that just like emphasizes the trust that you have to have to enter a circle with another woman. Yeah, I didn't know anything about circles, so I don't have any... We haven't gotten to that bit in the books yet. I don't like that they had Nynaeve random... Like, how is Nynaeve absorbing the power that was going to Egwene? That makes no sense. And... How was Egwene able to heal? Was Nynaeve dead? Like, all this stuff was just bad things. I didn't understand why that was possible. And it was another fake-out. They did the fake-out death thing before. 
We got it with Land. We got it with Land, and it worked really well with Land. It did not work really well with Egwene. No, because it wasn't even like it was just like a slow little trickle come out of her and wrap around Nynaeve yeah. and then fix her. And I don't understand. We also get it with Loyal because we know Loyal's coming back for season two, but he's quote dead. And we got it with Tom, which we get in the books, but it's done okay in the books. Again, nobody, no crime with Tom. Nobody, no crime with Tom. So like, yeah. Tom, I don't count Tom because we don't see him die. Right. So it's fine. You do see Loyal twitch a little. You do. But we brought up Loyal now. We're going to talk about it. He gets stabbed with the dagger. From, so there are yeah. there are two things there are two possible options and I, I'm stealing from a tweet that you showed that you showed me. Yeah. Either loyal is dead and I'm not okay for loyal reasons, or he's not dead and I'm not okay for more reasons because. When we see someone get stabbed with that dagger in the Great Hunt, necrosis happens immediately, bloating. It looked like it's described as if that person had been dead for several weeks and then he just kind of explodes and melts to the floor instantaneously. So, like, why is Loyal not a pussy? Pussy ogier on the floor. Is it because he's ogier? Are they cutting that part out of the dagger? What's going on? They can't on? cut that part out of the dagger. They can't cut that part out of the dagger. Like that has to be the that has to be why the dagger is is. I mean, I like, guess I I guess they could have it. No, they. I mean, it has is it, way further implications if they change it away from that than just it's a dagger from Shadow Logoth. It has to be evil. It has to, it has be, to be an evil, evil dagger. Like yeah. And I mean, in the books, I don't. It, now it's with Matt again. Yeah. Where I'm at. So but here, so like, I just don't. This is another place where I'm giving them a little bit of slack because I think it was supposed to be Matt who was stabbed. And it makes sense for Matt to get stabbed and not immediately die. Because he has some of the dagger still left in him. Right. So it kind of equals out. It can be slower on it. It can corrupt him instead of kill him. Right. And I would be okay if they explain in season two when they're healing Loyal. It's because he's that an ogre. It's because he's an ogre and it's just working slower. He's not human. He's not human. Right. The, the like, Shadow Logoth poison, the, like, effects of Shadow Logoth were built out of intense and mutual hatred and distrust of each other as humans and also of the shadow. And Loyal as an Ogier would not fall into that because he's an Ogier. Right. Everybody likes so, Ogier. And so if the answer to that question is when a magic when an Aes Sedai gets to him to heal him and is like just it you can see it more slowly going across him, so it's clearly just acting slowly and they're able to heal him, and it's just like you're an Ogier, which is why it's acting slower. Anyone else would have Ben goo on the floor. Right. I'm cool with that explanation, but they have to explain it. They have to explain it. And they can't just be like, it's Loyal and we didn't want to kill him. Which, I mean, fair. As long as Loyal's not dead, I'm not going to be that upset. Yeah. But, like, there's implications there. Yeah. Loyal and Perrin, I think, suffer the most from the mat-shaped hole in this episode. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I, I liked the stuff that they were given, but they just weren't given anything good. You could feel that Matt was supposed to be there when Loyal gives his great Loyal advice. There is a, a great Loyal moment, which he, you know, Perrin's like, this is bullshit. The women are all off doing something, and we were told this, like, what are we supposed to be doing right now? Yeah. The women are out fighting. We didn't go to the Gap. Rand's gone. Land's gone. Yeah. What are we supposed to be doing? And Loyal's just like, well, in my experience, if you don't know how to help, just ask. 
It's great. <laughs> it's like a it's little, so pure. It's so pure. And I'm gonna take this moment to go back to my praise of the performances because loyal uh, the like six lines from loyal we get in total. Loyal nails it. Yeah. Everybody nails it. Perrin nails it. Egwene nails it. Nynaeve nails it. E- everybody. I think it's especially highlighted by the actor who plays Rand, where like I could pick up on what he was doing as a book reader in episode six and seven. Well, not yeah. so much in episode six, because he wasn't in episode six, really. But like I could pick up on what he was doing, but like I have 20-something years of having read the books to pick up on that. Right. I picked up on, even though I have only read two of the books and I don't have that experience, I was able to pick up, especially in episode seven and eight, that that actor was had a handle on Rand. Yeah. And knowing now the timeline of filming you know they had to pause filming for COVID. How many books he read he probably read so many more books <laughs> in between because as we've mentioned before that like that actor is 11 12 books he's in on the book season. 12 now so he's the farthest along in the series which tracks for rand he needs to be he needs to be he needs to have that information but like what else are you going to do in covid when you can't be filming and the show that you're working on paused read the books for the show you're on yeah and like, and I mean, you can tell that he just understands Rand. Yeah. But he's not putting in so much as to be like, where did all of his character development come from? Right. It's like he knows where it's going, so he knows how to act, how he's, to get there. He's getting the like pre-full dragon Rand Anakin angst. Yeah. And he's doing it well. The problem is that before episode seven, it's really unearned. Like, why is this character so angsty? That is something that I have to say, that is one of the only benefits from the map-shaped hole in episode 7 More and 8. More Rand time. More Rand time. Yeah. It does leave the option for Rand to have character development. Because when Matt's in a room, he kind of sucks all the oxygen out of it. He does. That's part of his personality. It's kind of why I like him. Yeah. He just, he's a magnet. Yeah. And he sucks the oxygen out of the room. So fair. Yeah, so but, the the casting and the performances are definitely one area where I think, I mean, it's not even like a 10 out of 10, it's like a 12 out of 10. Yeah. Like they start, you, you build a cast around Rosamund Pike and the risk is that everybody looks like shit compared to Rosamund Pike. In comparison, I think the rest of them outdid, I mean, the rest of them outdid her only in that my expectations for Rosamund Pike are really high and she met them. My expectations for the rest of them were non-existent. Yeah. And they far exceeded them. Yeah, I had no expectations for the rest of the cast. I didn't know any of them except Daniel Henney, and that was only tangentially because I know he's in an, a couple of epi- like he's in a couple seasons of Criminal Minds. Yeah, episodes or seasons that I have not gotten to yet because right. I'm rewatching that right now. I am very excited to get to those seasons. Yeah, because now I love Daniel Henney. Oh God, he's great. I am so excited to see what he does in Criminal Minds. But yeah, like. I expected Rosamund Pike to be Rosamund Pike. Yeah, so, and she delivered. And she delivered. And so I'm just flabbergasted by how well this cast... Like, yeah. I did not have any expectations. And, like, it's yeah. fantastic. It's, it's so good. It Like, Game of Thrones had a bunch of actors that you did not know. Yeah. Besides Peter Dinklage... Sean Bean. Sean Bean and... A couple others. Cersei... Oh man, what's her name? I don't. I know her name. I just don't remember it. She was in Terminator Sarah Chron- Chronicles, so I know. Like I and I watched that and I loved it, so I was excited to see her in Game of Thrones. But the rest of the cast, I had no experience with. Like I didn't know who any of those people were. Yeah. 
And in the first season, they're like, okay, these are not bad actors. They're good actors, but I wasn't blown away by any performances, no. really. I've been blown away by every single main character. Yeah. And several side characters. Yeah. Like, Dana. Pour, pour one out for Steppen. Oh, Steppen. <laughs> but, like, even Dana. Like, yeah. she was in... 30 minutes. She had no right to be she anywhere had, near as good she just like, as she was. She grabbed you, and then you're like, what the fuck? You're a dark friend? Great turn. Like, great yeah. twist. Yeah. Didn't see it coming. Yeah. So Fantastic. I, I actually, you, you brought up Dana, and now, like, in retrospect, uh, several of my episode ratings have changed, and we'll get, we'll get to that. But I think two that stand out the most as having the most improvement in the whole season are three and five, which are weird ones to pick. Three is a condensation of a bunch of the middle of the eye of the world, which I think is why it, it went up, right? Because that's the condensation there paid off the most. We didn't get all of the stupid traveling right. with Rand and Matt. Just... Missed out on the hot knife, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> the hot knife. Does that ever come up again? No. <laughs> Absolutely doesn't. It's just a hot knife. What the hell? Um, so that, and then Episode five, I think I feel like this one might be a little bit of a hot take. Episode five is better having seen the whole season. Which one's episode five? The one where Steppen offs himself. Yeah. And it's it's because while Steppen ultimately doesn't matter as a character because he kills himself, he leaves an impact on Lan, but it's also a really good example of the level of world building that keeps you pulled into the eye. The characterization in the eye is not the best. The plot is a little lower. Lord of the Ringsy, but the depth and breadth of the world holds you in the eye of the world. You get out and you're like, okay, that was weird, but the world is so real. I I do see what your point is. As a person who struggles with high fantasy and just epic fantasy, mm -hmm. that is one of the reasons I did not like Eye of the World. Fair. It, and I, I mean, I did I did like Eye of the World. I wouldn't have continued reading the books if I really didn't like it. Yeah. I would have been like, looks like we're only doing one season of the podcast because like, <laughs> nope, I'm done tap out. But the, I needed more of a connection to the characters in order to care yeah. about the world building. And Absolutely that's something agree. that episode five does really well. Yeah. Is that it makes you care about Stefan, which makes you care about right. the world building that's happening there. Right. You learn about warders and you get a glimpse into like warder burial culture and you get a glimpse into Aes Sedai politics and what the yeah. tower is like. And you get all of this stuff and it's really like well like define it's not really well defined but it's like really well done and it's character driven and it's just great i need and character driven yeah. plot not not world driven plot yeah not world driven pot plot yeah that's partially why i read romance the plot's Sorry. always this like yeah the plot is the plot but yeah. it's character driven i would argue not about romance but i would argue that the eye of the world's world building is why you enjoyed is part of why not the whole reason why is part of why you enjoyed the great hunt better because you have this textured world on which things can happen and it doesn't have to do any lifting or it doesn't have to do yeah. as much lifting I th and i think that the show needed to do just a slightly better balance yeah especially like they've taken in some of elements from later books that i have not gotten to yet i didn't really see anything from the great hunt not much it's it's weird in that it's like they were they've been 
very open about trying to take things in from later books, but I don't see a, a ton of stuff directly from later books. I mean, it's it's got the problem, of, it's got the same problem of the eye of the world. It just did it worse in that it has to do so much lifting. I yeah. think the lifting is mostly done and we can move forward from here and it'll be better, but I think that they needed to, they just needed, we needed more time. And this is, this is my main take. Both times I thought, both times I was watching episode eight, I found myself thinking, I need more of this. I needed there to be more room to breathe. And this is what I started to feel last time. And, where... not, and you don't mean more in the, I needed, I need season two to come already. Yeah. It's, I need, and I'm, I didn't understand your point before as we've been talking about this, but I think now I, I get it. I needed there to be 10 episodes. At least. At least in order to have the, time to explore these things. It's right. a lot like the last season of Game of Thrones. Yeah. Like, Danny's rupture into madness would have made much more sense if there had been more time to explore how she got there. Yeah. Instead, it was like a weird switch that flipped and it didn't make any sense. Right. And that happened a lot here, too. It's like, all of a sudden, the switch flips and Rand's like, I'm the dragon. Guess you gotta yeah. go fight the dark one. I mean, switch flips, Rand's the dragon. Uh, Nynaeve is too many different things at once. They're, they're shoving a lot of stuff on Nynaeve that she is in the books, but she gets to be over a much longer period of time. Yeah. Like, she has problems channeling consciously in the books. <laughs> she does, unless she's super angry. Unless she's super angry. And here, she's just able to join a circle. She's able to embrace the source and join a circle. Yeah. And there's a scene earlier in this episode where she's like, I haven't been able to listen to the wind since I channeled. It's like, okay, does that mean anything? Because ten minutes from now, you wipe out an army. Yeah. I need explanation. <laughs> Like, I get... Yeah. They've, they've gotten to a point where they really desperately need... They, they need, like, long dumps of exposition now, which is something they were trying to avoid, but they tried too hard. And there's an, another moment that I think could have just used a little bit more time was the scene with Lan and Nynaeve. We get the line. We do get Daniel the line. Daniel Honey delivers it beautifully. It's very well acted. It's very well, it's very well delivered. You can see that there's a connection between these two characters. It happens all of a sudden and then we don't talk about it again. <laughs> and so I'm just yeah. like, if this scene could exist in a vacuum, great. It needed to but happen. It, but it actually, weirdly, it felt like it happened in a vacuum and that was weird. Yeah, it needed to happen like a season later. Like not even a couple episodes. It needed to happen like a whole season later. And this is what I was saying, where I didn't like that they slept together because it made this feel weird. It made a great line feel weird because it's like, okay, well, you fucked, but now you're given some melodramatic speech, which does track. It, but, it does track. But also, like, like if you're having, if you're opening yourself up to that level of it feels like, intimate connection. They, what feels weird isn't that they slept together. It's that they slept together, like, eight hours ago. I know. If they had slept together, like, three episodes ago. It might have been better. It, there would have been, like you said, it, this this line should have now happened a season later. That would have been kind of the same. Like, there needed to be time. Or there just needed to be more time with that scene. Or more immediate stakes or something. It's like, he's just gonna... And it, it just, it doesn't come out of anything, like... It just felt abrupt. And he's not in the he's not in the blight, which is part of it in the books, because part of it in the books is like is he's like almost gesturing around him and saying, This is my future. This is what life is going this is where life is inevitably going. He for gestures me. at his broken home. Because he's they're at the towers when they have this right. conversation. He's like, That was my this is my past and my future. I am not like if they had just literally added the line of like, I don't want to make you a widow immediately. Yeah. That probably would have been 
good. It would have fixed it. But instead... But we did get the line and it was beautiful. We got the line. It but was it good. didn't wreck me. And no. sadistically, I kind of wanted, wanted it to wreck me. I think Mashiara still could. Oh, Mashiara is going to. Uh, not the not the song, which is another high point. Pause here to praise the show. Lauren Balf, Balfi, I don't know how to pronounce his name, went hard on the soundtrack. <laughs> the Trolloc battle scene. It's just like, you're like, all right, the Trollocs are coming. And then all of a sudden you get this like electric violin or something. Yeah. And it's just it's badass. Not, it's not so electric as to take you out of it, but it's not chill enough. It's just, it's great. It's, it's great. That song just like, it makes me want to go and it makes me want to go into battle. It's like, yeah, yeah. I'm pumped now. Mm-hmm. And then I was underwhelmed. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I was both overwhelmed and underwhelmed by this episode. Ways. It felt like there was half. It felt like there was three quarters of a really good episode with a quarter of a really bad episode stapled onto it. <laughs> And it needed to be a whole good episode or an episode and a half with room for the bad episode to be okay. Yeah. I was whelmed. I was, I was like net whelmed. Yeah, net whelmed. <laughs> there were times where I was overwhelmed. Because especially like, I like the battle music. And so I was like, yeah. yeah, fuck yeah, let's go. I was like, let's go see this battle at Tarwin's Gap. And like. And then it was like two dudes with crossbows. <laughs> Like, okay, I get, that's a COVID thing, right? Like, I, I don't blame them for no, that. No, I don't blame them for it either. Like, looking back on it, like, yeah, it was, it's a little weird. It's like four dudes with crossbows all off 10,000 products. It's a little but, dinky. <laughs> That just kind of, like, that is partially why I just so much do not like the crispy women circle. Because they had like, been at the gap, then the weird... But they'd be alive! Then the, then the dinky, <laughs> dinky battle was But it's, it's like this epic, there's this, like, epic electric harp going on and some aggressively mediocre CGI trollocs. But epic electric harp music going on and you have Agomar and four guys with crossbows. <laughs> Is it's like, why am I here? actually dead? I think so. Because... I don't... I mean, I don't know. No body, no crime, but... But, like, he does get stabbed. It's not like with Tom. Right. Where Tom is just like, run! And then they do. And so you don't even see Tom get hurt. Right. But Egomar gets run through with a big-ass Trolloc spear. Yeah. He's probably dead. He's probably dead. Especially since the one power kind of exploded towards the gap, too. So, like... <laughs> if they were gonna do that... Oh, my God. I liked the visual, and I liked the power of... I liked the power of... Of the one power, but god damn, why did they write it that way? Yeah, that like this I, episode I suffered okay. oh. this episode suffered from writing, and I just don't understand. Like the actors did as best as they could. They did far better than the best they could do. They did amazing. And I think And it doesn't like like saying that, like I it's impossible to have to draw comparisons to Game of Thrones, which I try really hard not to do, but it doesn't feel like Game of Thrones where you where we got out of the last season of Game of Thrones and we we're like, that was bad, but the actors were good. Here it's like this is this could improve but the actors were amazing. Like, it didn't feel like, it doesn't feel like saying the actors are good is a way to try and salvage it. It feels like the actors were just legitimately powerhouses, each and every one of them. I know this isn't a Game of Thrones podcast, but hot take on Game of Thrones with the last season. It was so bad that the acting wasn't even good. (laughs) No. You could tell some of them were checked out. Uh, One one particular Jon Snow and most of all. I don't want it. Shut up. (laughs) God. (sighs) What else? We've we've hit a lot of things. Um, we get some more weird Perrin and Egwene. We do. They're gonna they're gonna go back to that. And I don't like it. <laughs> Just let it die. Let it die let like it, die. it died in the first book. We don't need a love triangle. We don't. One of those is already coming. Still not a triangle. Triangles have three sides. 
It's a, it's it's just a V. You don't know what Rand and Perrin get up to in the dark. <laughs> Perrin has very good night eyesight. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Sounds like you need to write some fanfiction. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, yeah, they're they're going to continue with the, the Perrin and Egwene stuff, and it's going to be weird. It's especially they're especially going to continue now that Rand's like noping off into the sunset, off towards that some is that's a big change. I think that's actually a good change. Well, based on what I have, what I know about book three, mm-hmm. which again I have not started reading this. You just read the cover flap. I just read the cover flap. Rand nopes off at the beginning of book three, yeah. and they have to go chase after him. So it feels like they literally just cut out his angsty arc in Great Hunt. Or just shifted it so that it's with him alone, which isn't... I don't think that's necessarily better or worse. I think it will turn out better. I especially think it will turn out better because I think Yosha Stradowski is going to fucking kill it. I think he is too. And it does provide an interesting thing, getting kind of into what we're going to expect for season two. Because I think we have really just kind of discussed everything with this episode. Yeah. There, there, not a lot happens, but a lot happens. Yeah. I actually, you know what? I want to talk a little bit about what actually happens at the eye. Okay. There are... there are Because we did not talk about the scene. Yeah. So there are three main things that I think are the big, big takeaways here. Four main things that are the big, big takeaways. Um, one is that Moraine gets cut off from the source question mark it looks like she gets shielded yeah and he does like a like a tying motion with his which hands which means that he doesn't have to actively be shielding her right and she he's clearly far more powerful than she is so the like Loghain thing isn't imminent where, where Loghain was able to break through the shield yeah Moraine's probably not gonna be able to break through it so easily no I think she's gonna have to have someone help her break through right. it right probably a man probably Rand probably Rand which will be good I, I, I actually I the more I think about that change the more I can get behind it. Yeah. Because, uh, like... And we also Lorraine... see what... We oh. see the different side of, like, how destroying it is to not be able to touch the one power for someone who... She is to. very internally devastated. She It's like she's and in she, withdrawal. And then Lan comes up and he's like, unmask the bond. And you can tell he's in pain at this yeah. point for not being able to feel the bond, which I don't know if that's actually because... He can't feel the bond, or if he's just like, I really, like, I have been worried about you for, like, this has been, like, a really bad 12 hours. And there's also a distinction. And so she's like, I can't, I can't touch the one power. And then she just breaks down, which I do also just enjoy. Yeah. Like, it's a good moment between the two of them. I actually, this is going to be, this is a little bit of a spicy take. I like this change. Moraine being Gandalf is really good in the first book. She's barely present in the second book. Her being able to change channel is not her persistent ability to channel is not integral to what she has to do in the story yes i can i can with one exception but we're not at that point yet for what i know about moraine's arc at the moment her not being able to channel she's still able to do everything that she's she's still crafty she's still smart she's still moraine fucking damaged right great hunt moraine can proceed as normal right because she's yeah she's not in great hunt except for like one scene yeah Kind of wild. So there's that. Moraine is cut off. And the second thing is that we get a picture of ruthless Moraine for real. She, We've been getting hints of it all season, but she starts to slit Rand's throat. 
Yep. Like, draws blood. Yeah. Leaves a visible cut on his neck. Yeah. And she's staring down the Dark One, who has just, for all she knows, permanently walled her off from the power with a knife. And it's it's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's great. kind of badass. She, like, whimpers for a moment, and then it's like, all right, only one thing to do. Get the knife. Yeah. She's like, did you really think that I didn't come prepared? Right. It's, it's amazing. And she's like, if he doesn't choose the light, I will choose for him. Right. And you can see that she's, like, taking her time with it, too. Like, she's ready to do a quick motion if she needs to, but she's trying to give Rand time. Yeah. And then she sees it, and she's able... She sees him channeling into the sign Griol, and she backs off. Yeah. The other thing is the change of the eye. The eye is clearly not a pool of untainted sidine anymore. Although I think there was a little bit of a... Like, a tiny bit of an Easter egg at that, in that Rand channels for, like, a good... 30 seconds without the taint mm-hmm. the corruption um he does in this and there is water on the floor there is water on the floor it's it's you know that's enough. It's, it's uh, you know, forbidden Oreo. That's fine. Um, I don't understand the forbidden Oreo. Because it's even. like this, like, black textured surface, and then it cracks, and there's white underneath. It's like, like, the, the surface of the eye is the cookie, and the white heart, like, the core of the heart stone is the cream. It's a forbidden Oreo. I don't like it. Anyway, I liked that it's clearly a trap. And what I really loved about the dark one here is that he set that up to win no matter what. Yeah. Either Rand gives in to the dark and he wins, or... He annihilates the eye and... It cracks. It cracks, and I'm guessing set the Dark One and the Forsaken free. Yeah, I don't know what they're doing. Because clearly one... Yeah, they didn't explain it. And to be fair, they didn't didn't really explain it. They didn't explain it in the Eye of the World either. There wasn't really any explaining it in the the book. Like, what the fuck is it? So they do at least give the explanation of it's Quandiar, Heartstone, and Lance like, I thought that couldn't be scratched. And Morhen's like, so did I. This wasn't the last battle. It was the first one. Yeah. So I hope at least that the Dark One's not just free now, because that's not how it is in the books. There are several more seals seals that need to get broken. Another one gets broken at the end of Great Hunt. I wouldn't mind if it's, if each seal is like a big thing. That you have to have, like, that's what I'm thinking. That's what my thought is for the rest of the books. That's, that's still my running theory is that like Rand is going to have to fight Balsamon, the Dark One, whoever, whatever we're calling him, several more times. And then like, because he has to be free and then you have to fight him one last time to get Yeah. Well, I, I mean more like in the show, I think. I think this is just pure theory crafting here. I think the seals are going to be big physical locations as opposed to physical items. The physical items works better for a book. The the location works better for a shell. And that's a fine I change. agree, especially because like the one getting broken in the Great Hunt, there's also just like a room full of them. Other Quandiar objects. Okay, it's not all it's seals. It's not just seals. Okay. There are See, only like not... seven of them. But like the seals, not the objects. The fact that you can just like carry around a seal to the Dark One's prison feels a little weird. And so it being... A little terrifying. Yeah. So it being a location that has to be protected makes much more sense. Yes. I think it makes more sense for a show. I like it in the books where it's like, oh, fuck, we don't know where... We can't know where they are. They could... Anybody... Any random farm idiot could break them and unleash cosmic evil on the world. They're not going to because well, that's not except, the story. Except that they're made out of Quindiar and you can't just break Quindiar. The seals you can in the books because they're weakened mm. because they're touching the Dark One that's, metaphysically, that's, not literally. It's all very 
very still confusing. Yes. Anyway, I like that change. Um, Rand and the Dark One in the Dream World is very interesting for a couple reasons that I can't say. But the one that I can talk about is that it seems to be very similar to Nynaeve's accepted test in The Great Hunt. Yes, because it does. it's very reminiscent of the scene where she's married to Lan and there's kids and yeah. he's a king. and She could have it if she just steps off. Yeah. If she chooses to stay there, it's hers. And how is she supposed to know it's not real? Right. Except that it's not Lan. Yeah. And that's how Rand gets out of it. Is that he realizes that like, and he says, watching it the second time, he says like, I want this, yeah. but I know that Egwene doesn't. Yeah. And that's not the woman I love. And, and I like that. I, I didn't, I didn't entirely process what he said the first time through because I just kind of rolled my eyes at him getting more character development that is entirely based on Egwene. And some of that still holds here where if they had done, if they had developed him as a character before this episode, it would have been much stronger because it would have been like, okay, this is actually what he wants. This isn't just him not wanting something because Egwene doesn't want it because that's tired. But he said, he does say like, I want this, but I know that she doesn't and I can't do this. Like if I force this on her, then it's not what I want. I want her to choose this and she's not going to. Yeah. And I liked, I like that. The, The problem I have with it here is not the scene. It's the fact that they didn't do the work to make that scene as good as it should have been. Yeah. But inside the scene, Great. very well done. Yeah. I also liked it ended up being that like Rand was getting the man to teach him how to channel yeah. so that he can just turn it back on him, right. which is great. It was really good. Because like, I don't think that, I think Rand got swept up in it for a bit, but I don't think he was ever in really any danger in I don't think so either. going to the dark side. I think he, he got swept up in it for a moment, but was very quick able to bring it out yeah. like get, snap out of it Which, so I he mean, kind started of, it kind of mirrors his earlier dream scene where he just stabs himself <laughs> <laughs> Which was epic. Yeah. He's, you know, he wakes Fucking character development. He wakes up from a dream. Moraine gets stabbed. He's talking to the Dark One. And then he's just like, this is a dream. Turns the blade on himself. Yeah. Wakes up. Which uh, we'll learn in book three is perhaps a little riskier than one would want to do in the, wor- in the world of the Wheel of Time. Okay. We've had hints at it. Not everything in dreams is purely in dreams. Yeah. He, like, earlier he, like, they're dead bats. Yeah. In the books, he wakes up and there's a thorn in his hand. Yep. Maybe don't stab yourself in strange dreams from now on, Mr. Randall Thor. Yeah. How did the dragon die? Oh, he stabbed himself. (laughs) Oh, well, he must have really been insane. (laughs) That is another thing that I liked that we got to see or like experience is like after he defeats the Dark One mm-hmm. or so they all think for the moment he admits that he's like I could feel the madness yeah which isn't something that we actually get an acknowledgement of in the books that I not really not yet not yet but like in the books I think it's more um, <laughs> it's more accurate to real mental health where you, you often don't understand when something is wrong yeah but I think in that moment it would also make sense for him to be like, I could feel it starting to take me. Yeah. And in the future, him not knowing it 
would be a fine like because there are moments he can know that he's going insane but not the specifics right and like because sometimes there are specific moments where you're like i can just feel myself being crazy it's like when you like you feel a panic attack coming on but there's nothing you can do to stop it you're just aware that you're having one right and And i feel that's what it felt like when he admitted like yeah i felt it it would also be rather realistic for him to know that he's going insane but not think he's insane yet and actually be so yes like that would be very realistic yeah. i don't know that they're gonna do that because that's some dark shit uh not that they're overly afraid of that no they're they're darker than the books in in some way it's less horror than the books because the books have a weird horror undercurrent that i haven't really picked up on before but they're yes. generally speaking not as like gloom and doom as the show has been yeah. like the characters are going through bad situations and they're not having a good time but it doesn't feel hopeless like if they can just get to the next town if they can just get to the eye of the world you know things will be okay there is a sense of hopelessness in the show yeah and there's a sense of hopelessness with rand in the books now because he's like i'm gonna go insane yep. but everybody else is like we gotta do what we gotta do yeah if we do what we need to do things will be okay and rand's starting to get to the perspective of i can't be okay but if i can do what i if i can do my duty if i can bear the weight of the mountain everybody i love will be okay and then we get some of that in the blight as well because he's like can you teach me how to channel and she's like every time you reach out to the source you're going to go a little bit more insane and he's like do you think i care what happens to me after today right so yes that, that was good but also like god damn it explain the halves of the source she does say that she can't but she she gives a bad explanation like Moraine, I was about to call her Swan. Moraine knows that she can't teach him how to channel because his channeling is way different than her channeling. And they've alluded to it before with the line that Moraine says about not being able to see men's weaves. Like, explain, like, just, like, explain some shit. Explain shit that you didn't invent. Yeah, we need, because, like, there are people who haven't read the books yet, and so they need answers. Right. Or there are people who have read two books and still need answers. (laughs) Yeah, so, yeah. I feel like I've been really hard on the show, and really what I think it is, is that it's a good show that is struggling with difficult to adapt things. That's where I'm at, is that I am really just enjoying it as a television show. Yeah. However, it's not adapting it very well yet. I'm. It is just season one. It is just season one. And as long as they don't spend an entire season doing The Great Hunt, I think I will be very happy. They haven't uttered the words The Great Hunt yet. They have not. I have not heard. And they mentioned The Great Hunt like 80 million times in the book one. Yeah, which does make the Horn of Valir come out of left field a little bit. But that's fine. Whatever. The Horn of Valir does kind of come out of left field. It does. I don't... Like, I was... So like ignoring most references to the Horn of Valir in book one because I'm like I don't know what this is yeah. ignore but that is that is another change actually that true the horn isn't at the eye the horn is just undle und, undle it's <laughs> under Agomar's throne I am ambivalent about that I think honestly I kind of like it I can see good aspects and I can see bad aspects like it just kind of shortcuts stuff yeah and like it being in a much smaller case that clearly Pat and Fane's able to pick up because in the books the only person who can carry this giant case is loyal. loyal. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. And I think Loyal's gonna get a lot of Matt's stuff from book two and that he's been stabbed and that's that's all fine. I am intrigued to see where the Matt stuff is going because Pat and Fane has the dagger. Pat and Fane has the dagger Matt and Matt's is going, Matt's going back to Tarbalan. I 
think they did reuse footage. Yeah, they definitely reused footage. Which is fine. They do. They did what they had to do. Especially, like, even if the actor hadn't left the show, if he's just not in those seasons, <laughs> yeah. why pull him in when there's COVID? Right. Like, why, why make him quarantine and get tests and do all of those things that you have to go through if you can theoretically just reuse footage? Yeah. Totally fair. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of shows did that during COVID or, like, had people film in separate locations and stitched things in weirdly. Mm-hmm. It's fine. But, so he's going back to Tarvalin, and I wonder what is going to be happening there with him. I think so you'll find out some some of that in book three. That's, because he is going to Tarvalin in book three, so we'll see what happens there. But he has the dagger. He does. And You're he doesn't wrong. have the dagger right now. Nope. Pad and Fane has it. Pad and Fane now has the horn as well. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if there is a, a second, more thorough healing to mirror what we assume is going to happen in book three. To Possibly. Come. And, because I was wondering, like, if he goes back to Tarvalin, is he going to try to steal the dagger? And apparently the Red Ash is after him. Yeah, that I still need some answers on, too. Yeah. Like, why did Moraine send the Red Aja after him? Yeah, do they even know? Are they going to try to... Are... got crispified. I keep stealing the, the phrase from that one tweet. <laughs> but it's a good phrase. It's very crispified. accurate. Yeah, and are they going to just, like, try to gentle him and realize that, like, you don't have the one power? And what happens? That's a, that's a wonder. Like, if, so, if you think someone can channel and you try to gentle them and they don't, don't have know. access to the power, what happens? I don't know. The only implication we have from that in the books is Elias... And it seems like it's not pleasant. Did they try to gentle Elias? It's not. He doesn't say they tried to gentle him, but he said that the Reds took an outsized interest in him before he left. Mm, I think we get Elias. Because he's a warder. I think we get Elias next season. Oh, I'd like to get Elias. Wolf bro. I'd like to get more. I'd like Perrin to get more answers on the wolf thing. Yeah, I think he'll get more answers faster. Takes him a while in the books. It does. It does take him. He gets nothing in book two. Yeah, he's just kind of struggling in book two. Yeah, which is fair. Everybody's struggling a little bit. All right, let's do some recurring segments. I think we are already sort of taught what do we think is going to happen in season two? We get a glimpse of the Sean Chan. So I think it's the Sean Chan. I think that I think they're going to another maybe take here is that I think they're going to merge the endings of book two and book three. Okay. You don't know what the ending of book three is. I, I do. You do know that the ending of book two is a battle with the White Cloaks and the Sean Chan at Falma. Yeah. The horn is blown. Yeah. I think there's, I think they're going to change the location of that and make it different. I'm intrigued by Rand going to the mountains. He is going further into the blight. Which is dumb. A choice. I. That's just a. That's just a dumb boy choice. That's not necessarily like a dumb adaptation choice. It's like, why are you doing that, Rand? That's not why are you doing that to him. Why is he doing? Why is Rand doing that? It's not why are the writers doing that. I think that now that he's off on his own, if they're pulling some stuff with the Great Hunt in, that means he's going to encounter Celine by himself. Which I think might be way more entertaining. I think so too. I think he's gonna get it on. I think he's gonna get it on with Celine. And I I don't think, I hope that he does. (laughs) Because I just, I need, that'll just make that reveal for people who don't know who Celine is so much better. Yeah. That'll, that'll make it real good. I, I'm i excited to see that reveal, too. So he's heading... But I'll, So what do I'll you say, the mountains? Yeah, so I think he's heading east to the spine of the world. The spine of the world. Yep. It's a whole body. <laughs> there's a spine, there's one eye, it's really fucked up. <laughs> There is a place on the other side of the spine called the Aiel Waste. Ah, he's probably heading in that direction. I think he's going to the Aiel Waste, which one makes me wonder if we're going to get book four stuff. 
next season. Oh, well, I think I will have read book four by season two, so... Yep. I, I don't know for sure. He could turn around. He could take, like, two steps into the blight and be like, you know what? I've had enough of this, and then go home. And I think if we're pulling in some possible options of book three things, based on what I've read on the cover of the flap, or the flap of the cover, they all go after him. So um, if if Moraine is gentled, or not gentled, but stilled. S- temporarily stilled, if she's cut off from the one power, the bond is masked between her and Lan. What else is Lan gonna do except try to go after Rand? Yeah. Especially since they now think that this wasn't the last battle. Yeah. Because it wasn't. And I think it would be a little bit dangerous for Moraine to try to go after Rand herself. So I feel like Lan would be She's capable, but a lot of her capabilities lie with the one power. Right. So I feel like this would be a prime opportunity for Sword Dad to be like, no, Magic Mom, stay home. We do need to... I will go. I will go get... I will get the boy. And then... Rand can figure out how to use the sword. Yeah, which he does not know how to use. Nope. It's he keeps pointing it it's at people. Commented that it the the dark one comments on like, oh, you're carrying a hair and mark blade. That's funny. He does at least understand sheathing the, the sword. He does. <laughs> Sort of. Although sheathing the sword is more about getting hit yourself. He's not a blade master yet. It's fine. He just I got need, he got it turned around literally. Gotta, I need I need sword dad time. I need sword dad. Yeah. And I think we're gonna get that in season two. Yeah. I I, I said not... Heron Mark Blade and why didn't they bring up the Heron Mark Blade earlier? Anyway, we're not on that right now. We're on what we think is gonna happen in season two. I think those are my yeah. Main predictions. So we're going to figure out what's going on with Matt. I am excited to see a new Matt. I yeah. hope. I, I really I? enjoy Barney Harris. They have nailed the casting so far. So I I hope that this Matt is up to their very high standards. Yes. So I will be excited to... Oh, I will miss Barney Harris, but I am also excited for a new Matt. Yeah. Favorite moments. Show and season? Okay. This episode, I think it would either be Rand just straight up stabbing himself or Loyal's just good advice of if you don't know how to help, ask. Which is just... Logical. And it's quality loyal. It's quality loyal logic. He doesn't say it in the books, but he absolutely would. Yeah. This loyal is not book loyal, and he is shaped like just the same friend. Yes. (laughs) A lot more. If he's dead, I'm not okay for loyal reasons. (laughs) Uh, Favorite moment for this episode. So it's hard to pick. Can I, I... I liked Rand at the eye. I liked him and Moraine in the Blight. But really, can I just pick Rand having character development? Yeah, I can. I think that would count as... I don't think that's a moment. I think that's just a thing. It's but just we a can, thing. We can branch it out to favorite thing. Yeah, because it's a really hard episode to pick a favorite moment from. Because, like, they were all kind of off. They were all... Yeah. And the Rand having character development is why a lot of the Rand moments were off. Because it was like, okay, well, I, just, I, needed, I needed this to have already happened. Yeah. So, yeah. A uh, favorite moment for the whole season. I think I think it's going to have to be the conversation that Lan and Nynaeve have before Logan's army attacks. Ooh, that's a good one. It's a really good one. It's just, I wanted that energy for yeah. the line that wrecked me. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I'm going to one-up you and say the soiree and red wedding. Oh, sorry, wedding is so good. Episode six, another episode that got that got better once I had the whole picture. I also just really liked the step in stuff. Yeah, the step in stuff was really good. I I liked I liked the stuff that they added because the stuff that they added was all character development. Oh, so good. <laughs> So good. Yeah. Episode rating. I had a number. I believe your number was ten. I think it was. I think my I think my number was ten. I just could not remember it. So thank you for being. My number my... is also ten, so I'm a little biased. It is like it's like three quarters of a 
great episode stapled on to one quarter of a bad episode, which gives yeah. it about a seven. Yeah, it's it's a it's a little bit more than 70%. a three out of five. It's a little bit more than a three out of five for me. My normal ratings for things is out of a five point scale. We're out of a fourteen point scale, so I have to do a little bit of wonky math, and that gets me at a ten. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's not like I can just multiply it by three and get it like a no. nine, and it is a little bit more as so ten. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm there. I'm there with you. I really liked the stuff in The Blight. I, I could have liked the stuff in Faldara, but they mishandled it, so I don't like it. Yeah. Season rating. So, now that I have the whole picture, there are some episodes that seem way worse, some episodes that seem way better, and I also have to take in the whole thing. Mm-hmm. My average episode rating can be higher than what I rate the season because I'm treating the season as a whole work. Yes. Not as eight individual works. Yeah. Nine. Okay. I think I think mine might nine out of fourteen. Nine out of fourteen. I think mine might be a ten okay. as well as it, my episode rating. It's a, it's somewhere in between nine and ten, but it's more towards ten and we're already on a fourteen point scale, so doing point five seems dumb. Yeah. So <laughs> mine is mine is somewhere between an eight and a nine, but closer to nine. Doing the same thing here. It is deep flawed. I have problems. And I will say that I don't think a lot of the flaws are the fault of the writer. Not all of the not all of this is true, but I don't think a lot of the flaws are the fault of the writers or the showrunners. And it's certainly not the actors share no no blame nope. in this. Actors get a 17 out of 14. Yeah. Like this is a show that needed 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 10 episodes. Yeah. And maybe more and certainly a longer pilot and finale. Yeah. I it, it needs more time. It, they, they need to give it more time in order for it to be what it can truly be. And I rated a little I rate it a little harsher because I can see how good what they can make is. We get really good stuff in episode four and five, and most of episode six is really good, but it's weighed down by the fact that those character moments that they're giving us are not the main characters. Like, they're just making they're, they're making crazy cuts, and I don't blame them for having to make these cuts because it's hard. And they, they just need to, to have ten episodes. Jeff Bezos, give them ten episodes. Yeah, come on, Santa. <laughs> Jeff Bezos could be Santa, but chooses not to be. And in the Christmas season, give us ten episodes. Just, just two of more wheel time. Two more episodes. That'll that'll make season your show two, way give better. Give us ten episodes. That'll make your show way better. So deeply flawed with some absolute diamonds. Yes. There are scenes there in the show that are on par or better. The sort of like weird wedding between Moraine and Swan. Really good. Both of our favorite favorite moments from the series could have been in the books and it would have been an improvement to the books. Yes. It would they they can do some amazing stuff. They're just not given the time. And that's why I have to rate it a little lower. And I feel like nine out of fourteen is not a bad rating for the first season no. of a TV show. I think they the last episode, part of why I liked it better is that they showed me that they can do things right. Mm-hmm. They, they did some random stuff right. And I think that something, even though there are some flaws and I have some problems, 94% of what I've seen is done, even if I didn't like it necessarily, 
is you can tell it's done with a love for the series. Yeah. The 6% comes from Perrin's wife. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I have gotten no answers on that, and I'm still mad. Yep. But 94% of the show, you can tell that the actors love this series, the showrunners love this series, the camera crew, everyone involved loves this series. And even if you don't necessarily like the takes that they have, it's they still love it. Yeah. And you just don't agree, and that's fine. I, I will say, I put this I put it this way a little before we started recording. I have a lot... I started the season with a lot of faith in Rafe Dodkins, the showrunner, and just generally speaking, the whole team. They have spent some of that trust. They've probably spent a good 40-50% of that trust. So I'm coming into season two with less faith, faith in them that I came in season one with. Mm-hmm. But it's still there. Yeah. They, they still have a lot that I think that they can do absolutely The right. bridge is wobbly. But it's still a bridge, and it still can be used as a bridge. Yeah. And I think they have the tools to shore it up. Yeah, I think they do too. It doesn't hurt that the acting is impeccable. It really doesn't. (laughs) It really doesn't. So. Not that any of the actors are listening to this podcast, but if you are, y'all are doing a great job. Oh my god. They really are. I I just can't say that enough. They're doing an amazing job. Mm-hmm. And it's the fucking wheel of time on TV. I didn't think I could fall more in love with Lan. Yeah. But I did. Yep. Thank you, Daniel Henney. <laughs> All right. This was season one of the Wheel of Time TV show. Hopefully in a year we'll be doing a season two. But in the meantime, we will still continue reading the books. We will still continue reading the books. So if you are also listening to our book reading in the coming weeks, that will be coming up. Yep. There will be a break episode where Will reads another romance novel. Yep. So anybody who's been watching just the show episodes, I'm going to read the next episode that we come out with is going to be me reading a a romance novel. So watch out for that because you'll probably get some additionally spicy takes. (laughs) It is spicy. Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, then. (laughs) All right. All righty. Bye. Bye.